Aaron Campbell, the co-founder, CEO, president, the whole nine of RNH Academy. Um, yes, sir. Thank you, thank you for for hopping on. Thank you for for, for talking with me today. Um, you know, real quick, just just give you know the audit the, the the listeners, the audience, kind of a thirty second rundown on you know what you're building with RNH, who you are, and then we're going to dig into you know really the details. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. First and foremost, like it's it's, it's an honor to be here. It's a blessing to share your platform. Uh, essentially, what RH Academy is, uh, Respect and Honor Academy, we are a training program that's based in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia metropolitan area. And we place a strong emphasis on developing student athletes, not only on the field, but off the field as well. Everybody says that. So, like, what does that mean? Um, in addition to doing football specific training, we do character development courses. We do resume building seminars. We do small business development. We take student athletes on various college tours, just really trying to help them expand their vision outside of their athletic realm. And so um, that's RH in a nutshell. I specifically work with quarterbacks. I've been blessed to travel the country, work with a lot of top guys uh, from your favorite NFL players on Sundays to elite collegiate athletes, you know, coaches in the Elite 11 as well. So, you know, we've started in 2017. Uh, we've serviced well over 2,000 athletes in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia metropolitan area. I have over 300 kids in college right now, and it's, it's steady growing. That's amazing, man. That's uh, There's a lot to unpack there, a lot of different things. And, and you know, it's all, at the end of the day, a progression and starts with you. So first off, congrats on all of the success. But, uh, you. you know, obviously you serve as student athletes. There's a lot of passion. Myself, I share in that because I'm a student athlete. I'd love to hear a little bit of of your background as a student athlete kind of you know, where, where it started when you first got introduced to sports and, and, and what, what was the first sport that really caught your attention that you, that you fell in love with? Was it? Yeah. Um, so ironically, my first sport was baseball. Um, yeah, my dad. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. My, uh, my dad played baseball. He was the man back in the day. Um, had a couple of trials with a couple of major league teams. It never happened though. But, um, so that was like my very first sport. I fell in love with the sport of football though. I would say around like sixth grade. And so um, played throughout, you know, my youth, went to Eleanor Roosevelt High School in Prince George's County, um, you know, played a variety of positions from quarterback to receiver. And uh, long story short, man, from my athletic career, um, had talent on the field, but I didn't have the grades that matched. And so I missed out on some pretty good opportunities, uh, opportunities excuse me, to go the Division One AA route. And so I kind of bounced around from school to school after that. So I went to a total of four different colleges, chasing this football dream. Uh, I finished off at Towson University, but by the time I got there in 2015, you know, I, I was kind of burnt out. And so um, from an athletic standpoint, being able to relate to kids, to tell them, don't be the reason why something doesn't work for you. You know, I put all the work in in the field. I put all the work in in the weight room. But in the classroom, I, you know, was kind of just lackluster, for, for lack of a better phrase. And it really came back to bite me. And so a lot of times kids think they have time from an academic standpoint, but you really don't. Like that ninth to 11th grade year. Those three years are so important for you. And then you can't just turn it on your senior year and, and, and try to think that it's going to happen for you. So I'm living proof of that. So anytime I get a chance to tell kids, you know, really take your academics serious. Like that's like the main thing I harp on because you, you it, it sucks to know that you could have had something, but you don't because you didn't do what you, you know, were required to do. Yeah, that's that's a pretty powerful testimony there. And I think I think of it as as an athlete, you know, sports is a vehicle for opportunities. And there's yeah. there's other things that layer in there. You know, your your academics at, at any given point, you're trying to maximize the opportunities that you have, whether it's the colleges you could go to, 
even, you know, if you're an athlete or something, the positions that you can play, the sports that you can play, right? All of these are different things athletes, you know, have to be able to utilize to get more opportunities. And so you highlighted a, a really impactful one that resonated with you in terms of academics and what that is limiting opportunities. Can you can you go in depth a little bit more? It doesn't have to be with your, you know, your history specifically, but for an athlete listening that might be thinking academics limiting opportunities, like how exactly would that happen or how would that go? You know, we don't have to go too deep on it, but yeah. give a, a little framing for the real implications, the real impact that maybe you've seen that you've experienced um, of how that can limit an athlete. Yeah. Uh, something as small as registering for clearinghouse. You know, so many athletes, I've talked to them and I, I literally have traveled across the country and kids don't even know what clearinghouse is. And so, you know, and essentially what it is, is it's a grading scale. So the higher your GPA is, the lower your SAT score has to be, the lower your uh, GPA is, the higher your SAT has to be to qualify to play, you know, for the NCAA. And so, you know, I've had kids that have tremendous talent on the field, but failed to register for clearinghouse, you know, and just due to lack of proper um, information or kids who have registered but didn't qualify. Or I've had kids that qualify for NCAA clearinghouse, but then get accepted into the school that they want to go to. And so, you know, just the importance of, again, being on top of your academic game to not prohibit, you know, life changing potential life changing opportunities for you to go to the next level. Whether it's from just a strictly athletic standpoint or, you know, you might get to college, might not want to play anymore, but still, you know, take advantage of all the different academic opportunities as well. So I, I, I can't, you know, overstate enough how important it is to stay on top of your academic game. No, that, that's incredible. And, and you know, you, you are, are a, a customer on the platform on the training side, but I don't know if we've talked about this. We might have to catch up, but a, a more common use case as well has been almost like an LMS and an educational series of kind of walking student athletes through with maybe a video of why it's important as well as instructions and tactical steps of what athletes can do as well to fill that out. So yeah. it, it, it sounds like we got to have you as the as the clearinghouse, the clearinghouse, you know, you know, training course uh, that's provided by R&H to help athletes be more aware of, of little things like that. But so, so key and so crucial. And that's something just as a perspective of, you know, I don't know how familiar you are with my background, but after playing at UCF, you know, worked in the recruiting department and there's no, there's nothing that hurts your heart more than when you really like an athlete and you you know, look at their clearinghouse numbers, their qualifying, you know, metrics, and they're not going to be able to qualify no matter how good of an athlete, no matter how good of a person that they are. Um, yeah. Those things that at that point, you kind of mentioned ninth, 10th, 11th grade are really pivotal years, you know, uh, a recruiter or a coach, there's only so much that they could do at the, you know, at realistically the 11th or the 12th hour um, which, yeah. which unfortunately a lot of the recruiting process, you know, still takes place in. Um, so, you know, that, that's the other side as well that I think just further highlights, um, you know, how forward thinking and, and, and conscious that you have to be of these, of these things. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it, it pays to have good people in your corner, you know, and, you know, it, it, it pays to have people that are well versed in what it is that your steps have to be if you really want to take this athletic, you know, football journey or whatever sport it may be yep. to the next level. You know, it information is a, a valuable commodity. And so the less you have of it, the more unfortunately you put yourself in a position to, you know, either be taken advantage of or, or just miss out on life changing opportunities. Totally. I think the, the thing I think of as an athlete is 
you know, you have autonomy in your career and it really starts in recruiting. You'll learn it at some point for me going to college and for a lot of athletes when they get into college, it does become more like a job. I'd love to hear from your perspective, um, you know, as you work or as you talk with athletes, even from your experience in general, you know, what were the different phases that you thought about sports in of just being fun, just being something that you were good at and then yeah. something where, wow, this is really an opportunity, treating it more and more like, you know, a job or something that, you know, is really where a lot of your focus should be for the opportunities it can create. Yeah. Um, honestly, man, it wasn't until I got to college and I saw the, for lack of a better phrase, the political side of sports um, that I really started to realize, okay, this really is a job. You know, my position coach, this is how he feeds his family. And so it's certain decisions that he has to make that aren't necessarily personal, you know, but as an athlete, especially as a young, immature one, you can take him as being personal. Uh, but at the end of the day, he has to do what's best to secure his livelihood, to make sure he can provide for his family, put food on the table. And so if you're not performing from an athletic standpoint, okay, well, we have to find somebody that will. And so um, what that did for me when I got to college, and like I say, I bounced around, you know, four different universities. It was really looking myself in the mirror and holding myself accountable to make sure I'm doing each and every single thing possible to put myself in the best position to go out there and execute on the field. When I was in high school, you know, you don't think about that. For one, you think you're going to be young forever. You think that the world caters to you. Um, you know, you think that it's just, you, you do whatever you want to do. You're having fun out there. You're playing with your friends. When you get to that next level, it, you really see the business side of the game. And so you have to be on time for meetings. You know, you have to, if you have a, a, 4.45 a.m., you got to be on the field for your dynamic warm-up. You got to be there, not 4.46. You know, and then from there, we transition to meetings, to breakfast, to class, to another position meeting. So now you want to feel for another practice. And it becomes so routine, you know, it, it can kind of suck the fun out of it. And so I, I would just say, as long as you just keep on the forefront of your mind what you're there for, what you're there to accomplish, you know, try to stay youthful in that sense, you'll be fine. And again, handle your responsibilities. Don't take anything personal. Focus on the things that you can control and you'll be fine. Yeah, I think that's super powerful advice. And one thing that you said that stuck out is just the notion of you're going to be young forever. And I yeah. think that is the thing that is the hardest, I think, to get across to athletes, no matter yeah. who says it, no matter how they say it. I remember hearing that speech from some figure in my life at least mm -hmm. a thousand times. and. Yeah. You know, even to this day, you know, how real that feels now looking back, um, you know, you always want to figure out ways to get that across. How have you found the most impactful ways to help, you know, whether it's may, may not be that sentiment of you're not going to be young forever, but mm -hmm. to kind of communicate the urgency and the intention of, of what, you know, athletes need to move with, need to need to feel as they're kind of pursuing their sport. Uh, yeah, the biggest thing we do is ask questions. And so that, that, that can seem like a, like a basic statement, but it's, it's really rather profound. You know, what's next? So we go to high school. Okay, we're in high school. We're going to college. Okay, cool. Well, what do you want to major in? Uh, business. Why? You know, most people don't ask why. And so, oh, I want to start my own business. Okay, well, what type of business do you want to start? Oh, I want to sell stuff. Well, what type of stuff? And I just continue to ask questions. And what happens is, is that the veil gets taken off of a kid's eyes and they realize they really don't have it figured out. And so the best advice I give guys is, girls, whoever, while you're in college, especially, like prepare yourself for life after school while you're still in school. 
don't wait till you graduate to try to figure it out. And a, and a lot of kids think, oh, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. But if you don't take the time to actually do it, you never will. And so the biggest thing we do is literally we just ask a ton of questions and try to get kids to realize that they don't know as much as they thought they did. And the sense of urgency around that is is now, you know, because two years flies by, three years, four years flies by. And so the more you can start thinking about these things right now, you can at least have a general understanding of the direction that you want to go, the better off you'll be. Could not agree more and and has very much been my personal experience. And uh, it's very encouraging and exciting to hear the questions that you are asking student athletes, because I think that's really invaluable. Um, and I think part of that as well is, I know we're talking about a lot of recruiting and getting an opportunity, but even coming out of sports where you see a lot of identity issues for student yeah. athletes where, you know, a, a byproduct of not asking those questions on the front end, if yeah. you're if you're even more talented, even through it, at the end of the day, the sport is either going to you are you are usually not going to decide when you stop playing your sport. Yeah. It's either because somebody else tells you you're no longer good enough or wanted yeah. or injuries or, you know, et cetera. But as that veil is taken off, it, it's mm -hmm. it's harder to then ask those type of questions because um, there's so many years of, uh, of a lack of awareness around what you're actually looking for in some of these questions. Um, so ha have you been able to see any impact or, or any balance to be able to provide student athletes? And for me, you know, I try to think about the, the love and passion I have for technology and impacting others in these things. I, I think it would only help me in my football journey and give more context. context. Have you been able to see uh, or I guess what, what effect have you seen on, you know, these programs and what they're able to do to help athletes obviously prepare, but then other, other things in general, in terms of their just life relationship with their sport. Yeah. Um, I think in this day and age, information is so available rather, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't, um, you know, I was telling kids, it, which sounds crazy, like YouTube came out my junior year in high school. Like, that's crazy because it makes me sound like an ancient, you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm not, but it's like, like Instagram came out, I think like my senior year in high school or like freshman in college. Like I remember when Facebook, you had to be a college student and have a college email address. Totally. And so in such a short turnaround, you know, the world has changed, you know, via social media and, you know, just access to the internet and with information is so readily available. And so, you know, what I've seen is, things that were once kept away from athletes or that they just didn't have the opportunity to self-educate themselves on, that's no longer the case. And so we've seen, you know, just changes in different communities. We've seen changes with, you know, different schools, athletes that we work with who prior, you know, in previous years maybe would have went a different path just because they didn't know a different type of way. Whereas now that's not necessarily the case. I mean, the fact that we could hop on a podcast and talk about, Clearinghouse, I wish I knew this when I was 17 years old, you know, but a kid now would probably take that for granted because information is so, again, accessible to them. And so um, just as far as various programs that are, you know, doing like work where they're, you know, putting kids in positions to know these types of important things, we, we, we've seen tremendous changes. Yeah. How, how uh, we talked coming on, on the show and, and you've put a lot of guys, you know, into college, helped people in, 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 
all the way from, you know, NFL and pros from college to high school. What, what other impact is there of athletes seeing other athletes that they may want to be like, you know, and, and, places that are ahead of them or even their peers, what type of impact does that have on student athletes and their learning and journey? Man, great impact because it shows that it's possible. And so I, for a lot of people, they just need to see an example. And once I see an example, uh, it, it it does wonders for you. Um, a hot athlete or a big time athlete now that's taking over college sports, Caleb Williams, that's at Oklahoma. Yep. Caleb's from here. You know, like he worked out in Bowie. I train at Bowie. It's so many kids that have seen Caleb up close and it does wonders for them. Another one, Jared Patterson, running back at uh, running back for the Washington football team right now. Jared was considered undersized. He was considered too slow. He wasn't a big time recruit coming out of uh, high school, although he was one of the best running backs I've ever seen in my life. He's now in the NFL. You know, he, he went undrafted even, even after putting up insane numbers at the University of Buffalo. Jared is from here. You know, kids can see him. They have access to him. They can touch him. And so what it does for them is it makes them so excited towards their future because now they've seen live examples that they have access to. And now they just follow in those footsteps, you know, of course, while making their own way, it becomes more possible for them to get to that same level. And so to have a real life example um, that, that, that does wonders for kids. What are the questions that you encourage athletes to think about as they see, you know, uh, you know, someone from their area or a path that they could follow? Because so- sometimes it's, you know, you don't know where exactly what things to, to, to copy, what things may have yeah. worked out. You know, what, yeah. what things w- would you encourage student athletes to, to, look, to kind of dig in deep on in terms of the how, how they went about, you know, where they've gotten Top three questions I would ask is, one, how did you handle your failures? The second question I would ask is, how did you handle the success? And the third question I would ask is the importance of choosing your circle. How did you go about doing that? Um, I think handling success is something that's under, like, talked about tremendously. Totally. You have kids that come from various backgrounds, and then overnight they have two million followers on social media. Everybody wants to interview them. They have a million dollars in the account, whatever the case may be. And if you don't become a million dollar person, you lose a million dollars, right? If you don't equip yourself with the proper, you know, if, if you don't surround yourself, excuse me, with the proper people and you keep some of the bad habits, you'll have your moment, but then you'll blow your moment. And so um, that's like the biggest thing I tell people to ask. Like if you get the opportunity to be around a person who has what it is that you want, all right, well, take me through your journey. What, what, how did you handle the lows? How did you bounce back from them? What was your mentality? How did you handle the success? And then talk to me about the types of people you surround yourself with. Yeah. A thread that I'm picking up in our conversation and and one that I think is very real and and kind of shows, again, the path that you've been on and that you've lived this, but it's thinking about things much more logically and really rooted in truth of, you know, in business, people call it first principles, right? But it's you're, you're trying to find the root of, why you know almost and can you think of any moments in your career or pivotal moments where you really realized this line of thinking where every out output or outcome is because of the input or what went into that situation right but when when did that really become super obvious i'd love for you to to talk about that because it's very obvious and and i think it kind of differentiates from just saying things that sound good and and creating 
traceable and, 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 and advice that could be followed along where you can kind of see, you know, it both making sense when you listen, but also making sense in terms of the action. Yeah. Um, I would say it was my, it, it was when I was at Towson, my junior year, I would say. Um, so super long story short, um, suffered a pretty bad spinal injury early in my career that came back to really harm me later on. Um, that I still kind of have effects with it today. And so when I found out, I couldn't play football anymore. Um, and I was only like 19, 19, 20 years old. Um, that was a really dark period for me because from sixth grade all the way up, and we talk again, we talked uh, previously about the importance of asking questions. All people ever asked me was, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, a football player. And they left it at that. Like, no one ever said, okay. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, no one ever said, like, you might not make it. Like, it was just like, oh, okay, you want to play football? Okay, great, good job. And so when it was gone, and I was so young, because, like, we think we're going to be young forever. Um, that was a really dark space, and I didn't necessarily know what to do next. And so, you know, bounced from different jobs. You know, once I graduated college, you know, odd job from, you know, being a waiter to security to being a firefighter, I've literally done like everything. And so, uh, but it was one time while I was at work, I was standing on post for 12 hours and I said, okay, like something has to change. I'm too dynamic of a person to only be, you know, standing in a garage doing security. And so what changed my life was I read 55 books in a year. And so when I did that, I started learning about, you know, finance, I started learning about investing, I started learning about, you know, marketing and branding and, you know, and what happened was, is like the fire on the inside that I had that burned for sports started to burn for me, the person. And I started to think of like, all right, well, what are what are things that I'm passionate about? Um, there's like a cool, well, I, I heard a quote a long time ago that it says people spend their entire life trying to figure out what they were put on earth to do. I, I disagree with that. I think people spend the bulk of their time ignoring what it is that they know is true in their heart. And so whatever that reoccurring thought is, that's what you were put on this earth to do. And so for me, it was, all right, I want to share my testimony. I want to work with kids, but I also love sports. And so that was when I came up with the concept for RNH. And so it was everything that I wish I had when I was 16, 17 years old that I then created to give to 16 and 17 year olds, you know, so that way they won't follow in the same path that I did. But it, it, it was really when I was like 19, when I found out I couldn't play anymore, that I, I started to look inward and figure out who I was. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I, I... Again, a lot of these things resonate. I think it's from the background as an athlete. I think it's, you know, finding stuff that you're super passionate, but I, I haven't heard it been put that way in terms of the, you know, aligning the passion and the discipline and the process oriented thinking that you learn from sports and applying it to your passions as a, as a person. And that's where I would completely agree um, on my end. And obviously I know this is a podcast interview and interviewing you, but you're, you're pulling on all, all of the, all of the thinking cores. But, you know, I think a part of that in terms of the upfront you're doing, you're working with, you know, work you're doing with athletes in terms of just that perspective, the ability yeah. to have that perspective, because I think, you know, we get so attached to an outcome that, that we want that, you know, it's so clear that we think that the path to get there is, is straight and it's straight ahead. And, you know, as you start learning more about yourself, you know, life is more like a jungle gym. You may be mm -hmm. hopping in one area, going to a net, you know, it's not, it's not so linear and there doesn't need to be so much, you know, anxiety or, or, or only focus around the things that you think will help you get there. And, and it's really perspective that, that helps not only 
fuel it so it doesn't get stale. So it's not the same thing over and over, but it gives you more of perspective. And I think it gets back to appreciation, yeah. right, of, of the time in your life where you get to focus on some of that stuff that, you know, we weren't really rooted with coming up. And athletes, again, you don't know what you don't know when you're young, but, you know, I think definitely exists in the work that you're doing of providing that perspective. So, you know, exciting stuff. And, and, and again, you know, would love to hear, you know, I guess from that with your current athletes, like what, what's something that definitely resonates that almost countlessly, I know it's a lot of asking questions, but are mm-hmm. there any examples or are there any athlete stories or are there any moments of, you know, the playbook of where an athlete can go, where things resonate a little bit more or that you really see things click? Yeah. Um, I, I guess a real life story um, now is to, to kind of touch on the first part and then, you know, to kind of talk about the second thing you talked about. At any given point in time, the game can be taken away from you. And so I had a kid who coming into high school, one of the top, you know, uh, recruited kids. He was one of he's nationally recognized and had, even as an incoming ninth grader, had colleges looking at him the whole nine and in the scrimmage had a almost very, very, very career ending um, injury. And so at the blink of an eye, he had just on a touchdown like before and then came back on the next drive and then boom, had this injury happen to him. And so, you know, he, he's out right now. We're we starting the rehab process. But the reality settled, settling in for him, like, oh, my God, you know, this could be taken away from me. And the sense of appreci- uh, the, the sense of appreciation of how it was prior to the injury. Right. And no longer taking anything for granted. Um, I tell kids all the time, even if you play this game, even if God willing, you make it to the NFL and you play for 10 years, you're 30 years old. You're still young, you know, and if at 10 years in the NFL, you're done, you got to hang it up what's next and so that's one of the biggest things that we talk about it's just like the importance of understanding at some point in time this game might be over for you prepare yourself for when that time comes because it happens to everybody Peyton Manning one of the greatest of all time he's no longer in the NFL anymore Tom Brady has played for 22 years I think or 60 years I don't know and nobody's ever seen anything like like that he's an anomaly but guess what even after all those years within the next couple years he's going to be done so there's going to come a time where you're not going to play this game anymore. Please do yourself a favor and start to figure out who you are outside of this game because it will happen. Sometimes it's sooner, sometimes it's later, but at the end of the day, it definitely will happen. Do you, uh, where do you think in terms of the curriculum? I know we talked about academics or things Mm -hmm. outside of sports that really help share that perspective. What other things do you recommend outside of asking the questions outside of just what they need to get done. Again, that's a part of it, you know, academics wise, but what do you suggest or, you know, what might you do with athletes to help, you know, increase their awareness to more things, more interests tapping into their, themselves a little bit more. Yeah. Get involved in different things. So join, join clubs. Like some of my kids laugh at me. Cause when I was in college, I took ballet super random. Right. But I took ballet and I took art. Bet you're, I bet you're a lot on your feet though. Man, super athletic. <laughs> all right, jumping, spinning in the air, catching one hand pass the whole nine. But um, like try different things. Get out of your normal rut of you know experiences. Go to a drama club. You know, read this book. You know, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Like, just try different things. Take a cooking class. You might have a. You might not know that cooking is a passion of yours until you try it. Like. 
try different things and don't be afraid of people looking at you with a sad eye. Like that's your journey. So no one can question, you know, the things that interest you or what your journey is. Don't don't dull your flame because you're nervous that other people might, you know, pour water on it. Like not nah, shine brighter. And so try different things. And you might try different things. You might have an interest in it. You might meet somebody who down the road might be a key role in helping you ascend to the next level. And so that's like one of the biggest things also, like just get involved in different things. And then also talk to people. Like the importance of networking is is key. Um, and start developing those skills now. Like just try to meet a new person every day and be genuine with the conversations that you have with them. Don't just talk to them with the goal of getting something out of it. Like be genuine, try, try to build a new friendship. And you'll be amazed at what that might do for you. All great advice and advice that usually takes a lot of people a long time to figure out. And I think holds true whether, you know, you're in middle school, high school, post-college or 80, 90 years old. I think these, yeah. are, these are some timeless truths that, you know, what, what young athletes will realize, you know, everybody comes to it at, at a certain point. I remember in college starting to see, you know, guys have people over and they'd be cooking for them and, you know, you go through your, your, you know, as people start growing and they find their interests again, it, it makes people more balanced and, you know, encourage doing that sooner and sooner because it's only going to result in more familiarity of yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and more of that perspective that, that you're talking about. But um, no, that, that that's that's awesome stuff. Um, you know, again, in terms of just character building the, the holistic journey uh, of an athlete um, now getting a little bit more tactical in, ter in terms of your, your journey and position wise, you mentioned that really the, you know, the focus area for you training wise is quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about that, of your journey, you know, in the, in the kind of background and the position of quarterback and how you've kind of progressed in your, in your training journey, you know, in different events and different ways to help athletes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, I mean, like, you know, you just stated quarterback training is my specific, um, I guess, avenue that I just fell in love with. Uh, I've been blessed to work with some really phenomenal trainers, you know, from the Jordan Palmers of the world to Quincy Avery, who both of them I consider, you know, big brothers, kind of like my, my my parents in the game because they were the ones who I, I really went to to learn from. You know, I had a chance to work with George Whitfield and some other just great people on, on the Elite 11 staff. And so, um, I guess what I've learned in my studies of the quarterback position are, you know, a lot of kids want to know, well, how do I throw the ball harder? How do I throw further? How do I, you know, um, have more consistency with my spiral, whatever the case may be? And I guess the thing that I focus on really are the biomechanics, right? So the integrity of your body, because typically how the ball is, is a result of how your body is. And so if your body is out of whack, then the ball will typically be out of whack um, and vice versa. So our ability to correct certain body deficiencies typically puts, you know, more consistency on your throws, which then gives quarterbacks the type of results that they want. And so that was something that I really noticed was kind of lacking in the game. A lot of people would say, you know, a lot of coaches would say, oh, such and such, I need a better ball, but they wouldn't necessarily explain how to get a better ball. And so that's what I focus on. Like, how do we throw better? And then once we talk about the how, once we figure out the cause, we can typically get the type of effect that we want. Yeah, no, and the uh, 
kinesiology and, and body movement and the science is is so interesting in terms of it really correlates to everything of how you yeah. stand, how your body moves, different ways that your body may be compensating for deficiencies, like you mentioned, um, in, in, in much more ways than you might imagine and, and nuanced ways. Um, if you had to summarize, I guess, a top three of the things that stand out most in terms of things that you see. Uh, if anybody listening to this podcast wants to do a quick check on themselves in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, stuff in their hips or their knees or where they can notice something, you know, I guess, what are the tops that you see or some of the most easily identifiable things that are usually a part of a correction for a quarterback or for any app that you work with? Yeah, I, I would say weight distribution in cleats. So typically, um, some people say like 70, 30, 50, 50. I, I like to say 60, 40. So 60% energy in my back leg, 40% in my front. With the energy in the inner part of your cleats, you want your entire cleats in the ground. Some people like to be bouncing up and down on their toes. But what happens is the more you bounce up and down, your vision is bouncing up and down. And in order to throw the ball, you have to come to the ground in order to throw. So that's what we call wasted movement. So I would say 60-40, energy in the inner part of your cleats. The next thing I would say is have stability throughout your hip region. Wherever your hips go, your front shoulder will go. So if your hip go down, uh, if your hip front hip goes down, excuse me, your front shoulder will go down. If your hip goes high, front shoulder goes high. That leads to inconsistency when we throw. Then I will also say maintain vertical spine. So, and the way we do that, keeping those lower abs engaged. Yoga. That, yeah, there we go. <laughs> that keeps that vertical spine um, intact, allows you to have a full rotation on your throw. Um, that can also help, you know, get, um, stop leaning and tilting that a lot of quarterbacks do where they throw primarily with their arm and they start, you know, having shoulder issues or elbow issues as well. We really want to throw with connection and not necessarily momentum. And so I don't want to swing to throw. I want to throw from the ground up. And so those are typically like the main teaching points that I harp on. And then from there, we get way more detail. I love it. I love it. We're going all over the place from, you know, what you need to do to pass clearinghouse to the mentality to be an elite student athlete to now weight distribution, 60-40 for quarterbacks, keep those cleats in the ground. Um, all valuable things, all kind of symbolize different areas an athlete has to think about, has to master in their journey. Um, as we're kind of winding down now to wrap up, one thing I'd love to, to understand is, you know, of all of the things that we're, we're talking about from where an athlete should start within their journey to where they should continue to evolve, what would you encourage athletes, you know, that they haven't done today, whether it's a book that they need to read, a video that they need to watch some content to, to start their journey? If you had to pinpoint it to one specific thing, you know, what would that be that someone's listening to that, that can put them on the best track to be a student. Find somebody who is currently or has previously done what it is that you're trying to do and attach yourself to them. Ask them to be a mentor and ask them meaningful, genuine questions because success leaves clues. And so rather than make the same mistakes that a person made 10 years ago, I would rather learn from their mistake by talking to them and then avoid it in, in, in real time. And so I, I would, again, just say, find somebody who does what it is that you want to do, whether it's on the football field or, you know, in life, whatever the case may be, and literally attach yourself to them. That's what I did with Jordan Palmer. Like, and I, I have no problem saying that. Like, he, he'll, he'll get on here and, and attest. Like, literally, he can't get rid of me. So it's, I would text him, I would call him, hey, bro, how did you do this? How did, what was your thought process behind this? You know, what, what was your, you know, I guess, whatever. And he was one of the person who, who told me about his palms up mentality. 
He said he keeps an open hand. The more he has an open hand, he can give away information. He can also receive blessings. And so that was something that I took and applied to myself. So find a mentor, stick with them, ask questions, and you'll be amazed at what it will do for your life. Totally. No, I think that's uh, that's some beautiful parting advice there. Um, and thank you so much for coming on, man. This has been such a pleasure um, talking, digging into your story a little bit. I'm excited because uh, listeners, we're going to be having more and more content, more and more releases that, that's in the pipeline uh, for Respect and Honor Academy. Um, anything you want to leave us with, Aaron, as we as we close this out? Thank you again for your time. Uh, man, I would just say again, thank you all for having me. I think what you all are doing is amazing. I wish I had, you know, this platform when I was in high school. Um, and I think you all took a very similar approach. This was something that was needed and you fulfilled the need by, by creating it. You didn't look around for the circumstances that you wanted. You created them. And so that's something that I, I definitely commend the entire team on. I'm excited to be a part of it. Any way, shape or form I can help, please let me know. And let's continue to build this thing out, man. Um, for kids, you can follow me on social media. Instagram and Twitter at Coach Aaron RHA. You can follow my company at RH Academy underscore and visit us online, www.therhacademy.org. I would love to work with you. Absolutely. And we'll be dropping those links in the description below, uh, as well as obviously going to be representing the brand on the platform as well. Um, so, Aaron, thank you again for your time. We're going to be hopping on again soon for some live streams, for some players evaluations. So we'll be setting it off, but um, we'll be talking soon. Thank you again.